Let's turn to Matthew uh, chapter 6 as we wind up our series in Matthew 6 on the Lord's Prayer. We saw last week when we were looking at our dependence upon God. And we said three things in when we read verse 11 to 13, that we are dependent upon God for our daily provisions as his children, but also we are dependent upon God for our daily sanctification as those who belong to Jesus, that we may be brought before God holy and blameless. But we also said we are dependent upon our daily spiritual safety on the Lord, that he is the Father to whom all our lives are dependent upon. And as we depend upon the Father, we depend upon him in this reality, that for our provision, he will provide to us that which he knows we need, not what we want. He will provide that which we, he will help us also be able to share with other people. Because that's what Christians we are called for. As we work, we work not only to feed our own stomachs and to take care of those who are uh, near to us, but also to help brothers and sisters who are in need. And we said the primary way that God does us our prayers in provision is that he gives us work. Work is something good. God in Genesis created a man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Let not think that work came as a result of a fall. The fall, the consequence of the fall on work is that it makes work be burdensome. Many people work but they are not joyful. Praise be to God, to some of us who find joy in the work we do and we give ourselves to work, to work for the glory of God. In our dependence upon God in our sanctification is that we realize we have not yet been perfected. We still have the indwelling sin in us. And as, and as Paul reminds us in Galatians 5.17, we have the Holy Spirit, but also we have the nature of sin in us that we don't do what we ought to do. Paul himself in Romans 77 reminds us of the same battle we are battling, that even himself he battled it. He did not do what he wanted to do at all times. That we recognize the presence of that sin in us and day to day we, we crucify that sin. We take it to the Lord, we repent about it. We don't run away from it. We don't pretend that we are perfect and we are not perfect. We are vulnerable, all of us, to fall in sin if we are careful. To whatever kind of sin, if we are not careful, we will fall. Why? Because sin is still in us. And how, why do we depend on God? Because it's God through the work of the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us, who makes us to be holy according to his word. He changes us in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Any Christian who thinks he's perfect is lying to himself, lying to himself. All of us, we are in a struggle, and we are struggling against sin, our own flesh. We are struggling against the world that keeps on bringing things to us and keeps on uh, uh, tempting us to fall, to love the world. But we are also against an enemy. The Bible reminds us he's a schemer, the devil. He's also scheming to bring us down, to frustrate our lives as Christians, to keep us under the umbrella of guilty when we fall into sin. How does the Lord deal with all this? We continually recognize that we are, we are fallen. We continue to recognize that we need the masses of God each and every day. And we run to the Lord who is always willing and ready to forgive us of all our sins. But also we said we depend upon him for our safety. If God had saved us and left us on, our, on ourselves, none of us would be a Christian. None of us would be a Christian. The devil is looking for opportunities to pluck us out of the hands of the Lord. But praise be to God, John 10, 29, Jesus says, No one, not even the devil, not even sin, is able to pluck us out of the hands of the Lord. We are safely kept, we are safely secured by the blood of Jesus 
We are children of eternity and God has decreed by giving us his own spirit that he will keep us until Jesus comes back. Heaven is our place, but yet in this world, we are going to keep on reminding ourselves of this to rely upon God. Today, we want to dig deeper, verse 14 and verse 15. And I don't want us to see the Lord's, the Lord's Prayer as we do this exposition. Don't think that every verse is by its own. It's a, an entire prayer. And the basis of this prayer we said in the beginning is to show us, one, Christians are children of God. Very important. That many times we think, when we sin and we think, God doesn't love us. He has thrown us away. He doesn't care about us. What he cares is waiting to judge us. No, we belong to God. And for that fact, because we belong to God, we commit our lives to God. We depend upon him in everything. We are his. We are his servants. We are his children. We are co-workers together with Jesus, pleading with the world to come to the faith in Christ. Verse 14 and 15 we are brought to also another practical way of how we should pray. He says in verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your, heaven, your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now, when you look at those verses, three things that are brought before us, and we are, we are going to look at them. One is, forgive your brother who wrongs you. Forgive your brother who wrongs you. And then secondly, he's going to remind us why you should forgive. Why you should forgive your brother. Thirdly, we are going to be reminded that if we have a habit of not forgiving others, it's a mark of unbelief. If we have a habitual life where we hold grudge, we are bitter, we are angry about others, especially brothers in Christ, it's a mark of unbelief. And then lastly, we are going to see how forgiveness, practically, it is in our day-to-day -day lives. We are all in different circumstances. We have married, we have the unmarried, we are those working, those empl employed, those not employed. How does forgiveness work out in us as a church? How do we practice forgiveness? So the first thing we see is when he says, verse 14, for if you forgive others, they are trespasses. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. The very straight implication of this is what? One, forgive your brothers. He's not talking about, remember this prayer is being prayed by those who call God Father. They are his children. And Jesus is reminding us, one of the most important matter we must say, as we looked at last week, is that since we are all saved and children of God, we must understand also that sin still dwells in us. That the nature of sin is still there. And because of that presence of the nature of sin in us, we are going to wrong one another. Not in small bits, but we are going to wrong one another in major issues. When you become part of a church, you are coming and be part of a messy group. You are coming to be part of those who are not perfect. You are giving yourself to be wronged by brothers and sisters in the Lord as you come to wrong them also. So if you think church is a place of problems, you are part of the problem also. When you join a church, you are joining problems and bringing your problems on top of other people's problems. Because we are all problematic. We have problems. We have sin. We have bad behaviors. We have bad attitudes. We have bad feelings. People are quick to be, some are quick, you know, it's like a, a switch. They are quick to get angry. 
People are struggling with emotions. They are struggling with sin in their practical ways. They are struggling with pride and arrogance. This is part of the church. This is what we are as a church. And that's a great understanding that we must understand with one another. When I look at Benji, I don't start thinking, oh, Benji will always be a good guy to me. He will never wrong me. I'm lying to myself because he will wrong me a great deal. The moment we understand these things, the better. Then when we understand them, we don't sit back and say, Amen. You know, we are bad people anyway. We are sinners. Even if I wrong, even if I slap, I steal from this person. No. That's not the issue. The issue is, as Paul says in Galatians 5, we should pursue holiness. We should pursue to kill these sins in us. We should pursue to be more humble than being arrogant and pride. We should pursue to be more faithful than to be liars. We should pursue to be more truthful, saying the truth. We should pursue to be more of those who provide and help our brothers. Yet, as we pursue this, there's a day, a time comes when you say, ah, ah, this is too much. Even when we help people, time, we are human beings. You help people, you help, and it reaches a place you say, apana. Your sinfulness comes up and says, akuna, sympathy, tena, kwani yeni nani? Not because he has wronged you, not because he has not appreciated your giving, it's because you are a sinner. The man hiding in you thinking, I'm so good, I'm the most hospital and, and good person, tells you, you are not. You are a selfish man who thinks about yourself. I want us to look at three passages in the Bible and ask ourselves how to go about forgiveness. If we, this is what we are, if children of God, we are still struggling with the sin, and yet the Lord calls us to put malice, bitterness away, how do we do this? Turn, to, turn with me, the first passage we are going to look at is Ephesians 4, which uh, brother Eric has read. Ephesians 4, 31 to 5, 2. And we see, what does this passage teach about Forgiveness. Paul writes and he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what does that passage remind us about forgiveness? One is this, that the lack of forgiveness is the root cause of all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. When we don't forgive people, what is the, our, what's the position of our heart? We are bitter. And we are not willing to get rid of the bitterness. We are full of wrath, rageful. We want to see those people paying for what they have done to us. We want to kill them. We want to see them disappear off the face of this world. So angry in us. That's what happens when we don't forgive people. We are always wishing bad things that happen to them. When somebody asks you about that person, the only thing you can say is slandering and malice about that person. Nothing good comes from us. And it says, the lack of forgiveness is the root cause of all bitterness. But secondly, he says, a forgiving heart displays that through kindness, tenderness, as a love and a mark of God's grace in Christ shown that particular heart. Now we know these virtues don't come just like that. We work to these things. Salvation we work, Philippians 2, 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God at work in you. These things don't come automatically. We have to work. They are lifetime struggles. But he says, a heart that has experienced grace, that has experienced the love of Jesus, how does it come out? It's a kind heart, 
It's a tender heart. It's not wronged quickly. It does not have harbor bitterness and wrath. Then he also says in that particular passage, a forgiving heart puts display or puts Christ's work of atoning at display. It, it embraces Jesus. It embraces what Jesus has done for it at Calvary. It's a work that reminds, uh, remembers Jesus himself on the cross. Instead of coming out guns blazing and calling the Father, bring the angels to kill everybody here. What does Jesus say? Forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. The same in Acts 8, 7, when Stephen is being stoned to death. Stephen would have seen, he has seen Jesus welcoming him in heaven, standing up, welcoming. He would have said, Jesus, take care of them. They, have, they are just killing me now. What does Stephen say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. If our heart has not its eyes upon the Lord and what Jesus has achieved for it in, at Calvary, that heart will not know what it means to forgive others who wrongs against that particular heart. If a brother harbors bitterness and feels that he, he owns all things and things should be done in his way, he's a brother who has not yet come to understand Jesus has saved us. He has made us a family of his people. We are still struggling with sin. And yet in that, we as Christians, still the Father loves us. Still the Father loves us. And that's why he says, imitate God. How do we imitate God? He has forgiven us in Christ. If you are a child of God, you must show how your Father looks like by doing or imitating your father. How should forgiveness be initiated? How should we initiate forgiveness? Somebody has wronged you. He has stolen from you. He has abused you. How do we initiate forgiveness? Let's turn to Matthew 18. How do we initiate forgiveness? Matthew 18, this is the Lord's words to his church, to his disciples. The Lord says this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that that charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, Tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile, a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bear in the, on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now that last verse has been misused. People have misused <clears throat> that last bit. Whatever you bind shall be bound in heaven, Whatever you lose shall be loosed on earth. What are people saying? Lose the curses, isn't it? Deliverance. They will tell you, you have curses of your father, of your family. And so we need to, to, to bind the devil and lose you from curses. That has nothing to do with that. Look at the context of the book. Look at the context of the chapter. It's not about binding devils and loosening people to be what they want to be in this world. No. Jesus is saying this, when a church sits down and it agrees to discipline a member who has refused to repent, heaven is agreeing with you. God is in the midst of you and saying, yes, I agree with you. In, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul tells the same to the church, when you meet together, my spirit is with you as you make that decision to remove that brother who is sleeping with his father's wife. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When we make a decision to, to discipline a brother or a sister who has refused to repent of his sins, he's saying, in heaven, it is with you. It's a tick with you. God is affirming, do it, and as you do it, I am with you, and I'm saying, remove that person. Let him be treated as a heathen. So how do we initiate forgiveness? One, 
One is that we are reminded here that we initiate forgiveness by one, the offended party should seek the party that has offended it. Look what he says. If your brother sins against you, go. Go to him. You who have been offended, you are being given the opportunity to go to make the first step and go and tell your brother, you have sinned against me. This is contrary to what people do today. As pokuja, even on nasema, as pokuja, sitawai musamea, bibiria nasema, enda umuambie, makosa ila mefaa nini, amekufanyia. People don't want that. Because people don't want to be truth. And the most of the accusations we accuse people with, deep down our hearts, we know they are not, we are wrong. If you cannot stand up to the accusation of accusing somebody, you are the ones you are wrong. If you feel you are right, and truly you have been offended, then you have that right biblically to seek out the person and tell him, you have offended me. This is where the gospel itself is. That God whom we have offended, we don't seek him. He comes down to seek us. We love John 3.16. For God so loved the world and he gave his only begotten son. We love Romans 5.8. While we are yet still sinners, Christ died for us. We love these passages. We love 1 Timothy 1.15. Jesus came to save sinners. But we don't know the implication of those passages in our day-to-day -day life, especially when it comes to forgiveness. That me, if I'm offended, I need to go. To go, because this is how the gospel is put at display. I need to go as the father came. I need to go and tell my sister, my brother, you have wronged me the way God came to us in his son. But secondly, we go to the offender, but also he says, we must go with the evidence. We must have evidence. Look at what he says. <clears throat> he says, Go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he doesn't listen, take two or, uh, two, one or two others along with you that the charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And that's what I've said. We accuse people of things we don't have evidence about. Paul would say the same thing in 1 Timothy 5.19. That if you are going to accuse a pastor or an elder, you must have evidence. You must have evidence. So if a brother steals from you, you have to go and produce evidence. You stole from me. Not, I think. I may be not sure, but I think you stole something from me. That's the accusation. That's accusation. When people are practicing slander, when people slander us, wewe ndo ulisema ile kitu, nimesikia fununu huku na huku, ni wewe ulisema? Let me tell you this. This how sometimes people do. All of us. You want to guard the party that has told you something, okay? So you go to someone, ulisema hivi lakini sitakwambiana na mimi that's not truthful. That's not truthful. That person has a right to say, I didn't bring evidence. Because you want to safeguard the party that has told you. The reason you want to safeguard that party is this. Because you don't want to spoil the name, but also in our hearts we know it might be not true. It might be slander. So because I don't want the church to have problems left and right, well, niambia tu, sita muambia wendi uliniambia. That's, you, know, you cannot take somebody to court with such things. Instead of you talking about somebody, go to that person. If you hear me talking about somebody in a wrong way, come to me. Tell me, hey Kogo, I don't think that's the right way to talk about that brother. 
And if you think he's wrong, I'm happy to even to be a mediator between you guys. You make peace. But not to say, Ricky, what's the name Kogo na juali kuambia hivi. Na tafadhali umosimuambia ni mimi tafadhali. Kwa sababu gani? You still want to enjoy Kogo's friendship, but you are not willing to rebuke Kogo if you think he did wrong. That's not good Christian fellowship at all. You must go with the evidence. But also he says, there must be several attempts in a desire to make what? Peace. Why? Because if it was to ningumu, a man has abused you, and there was evidence he tell you, Mimi siku tukana ndugu. He's saying, there must be several what? Attempts. Go to him. First, go, peke yako. Akikata, go with the two or three witnesses. Akikata, peleka wapi? Those are attempts to bring about forgiveness. If a brother wrongs you, go, wewe, mwambie. If he says no, Go with another witness. If he says no, take it to the church. Take it to the church. But also, apart from that, he says, the offender should also humble and be ready to ask for forgiveness. Why? Because you see, what here is happening is the opposite. This man is saying no, no, no. If he says no, take another If he says no, take another one. Okay? Proverbs 28, 13 reminds us of this. A man who confesses his sins, he will find what? Restitution. But one who hides his sin, he will not find restitution. In other words, he's saying, if you are confronted with your sin, submit and ask for forgiveness. Your pride and your arrogance won't help you before God. 1 Peter reminds us, 1 Peter 5, 5, God opposes the proud. Verse 6 says, He gives grace to the humble. Pride is a major issue amongst us as Christians. Pride. Pride. Sometimes we are prideful to kuomba msamaha kwa sababu the people we feel who we have offended we, 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 we make them little, we belittle them. Kwa ni yeni nani? Uyu, nime mpatia kaza lafa nambia ni mwombe msamaha. I have a right to talk to him the way I want. Uyu ni made kwa angu kwa nyumba tanambia ni muongeresha vibaya jana, muone. Is that not what people do? Uyu ni made. Mini mwombe msamaha. Yeni nani hapa? Kitaka ni kuombe msamaha nyumba yangu oto? That's how people treat others. Benja has been talking about children in the morning. How to bring up our children. Have you ever, those of us who are parents, have you ever felt in your heart, in this matter, I'm wrong against my child. And you have told your child, by the way, forgive me for that. How many parents? That's what we tell ourselves, isn't it? Mimi nitaanza kuwa mtumwa wake sasa. Wacha akae hivyo. Ajue mimi ndio baba na mimi ndio mama. Angoje siku atapata nyumba yake pia yeye. Is that not what people behave? Sometimes we think asking forgiveness makes us little, it makes us stupid, it belittles us. It takes away some advantages over us from people. Think about Jesus. Think about the Lord. What does, I think it's 2 Corinthians 9 or 8, reminds us, I think it's 8. He made him who knew no sin. That's, that's 5.21. But again, 5.8 would remind us that Jesus came from the richest place to come. He became poor that we may be what? Rich, not rich in dollars or shillings, but rich in the things of God. He humiliated himself, Philippians 2, from verse 9 to 11. Although he was God, he did not consider it as something to hold on to, but he died. He died death on the cross, the most humiliating death. 
Moses, when reminding us Jesus will come and pay for our curse, he says, Cast is the one who hangs on a tree. And Paul quotes those words in Galatians 3, that Jesus became a curse for us. He became nothing that you may have eternity. But then when it comes to practicing these things, we feel no way, no way. My boss has wronged me. I cannot, I cannot. In churches, we look at ourselves in those classes. I have this, he doesn't have this. Who am I to ask forgiveness from him? I've been served 20, 30 years. This guy is just a believer of yesterday. Who am I to tell him forgive me? Yes, Mungu. We wrong against people and we hide in this thing with our arrogance and pride, I will ask God to forgive me. If God forgives me, that's enough. He doesn't have to forgive me. It's up to him. He is saying, if you wrong a person, you must go to that person and ask what? For forgiveness. But also he says, if the offender refuses to ask for forgiveness or refuses to humble, after several attempts, he should be counted as a heathen. If it's a brother in the Lord you have confronted him with a sin and he refuses. Count him as one who has denied the faith. He is not a believer. If he refuses to act in a manner that God himself has acted and how God has made his children to act when he gives them salvation. The question then is posed, as Peter posed it to Jesus, how many times should I forgive a brother who sins against me? How many times should you forgive a man who has, since last year, he has been doing bad things to you? To correct this one is this. Also, brothers, we are not called to intentional and willingly, every now and then, to be doing bad things to others, unless we are not believers. Don't say, oh, by the way, the Bible says he must forgive me, even if I wrong him left and right. No. Yet Jesus corrects this by saying this. Then he says, the Lord says, Peter asks Jesus, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Jesus says, as many as seven times. Peter is ready to count. Peter is ready here to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm not forgiving you the eighth time. But Jesus, so knowledgeable, our God, he does not leave it there. He says, he continues to say this. As many as Jesus answered, say to him, I do not say to you seven times, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but 77 times, infinite, always. Be ready to forgive every time you are wronged. That's what Jesus is saying. Forgiveness has no limit. Forgiveness has no limit. God has not limited your forgiveness. Psalms 103 reminds us, as east is far from the west, that's how God has put your sins far, far away from you. Micah reminds us that our sins have been put at the bottom of the ocean where no one can take them and bring them back to us. That's how God has removed your sin from you. Yet, in our day-to-day -day lives as Christians, we sin. We sin against God. But he has punished Jesus for those sins. And he's saying, that's the way it should be. When a brother sins, be ready to forgive at all times. Is it going to be automatic? The answer is no. We are sinners. Your sin is the one making you, preventing you to do what the Lord wants you to do. It's not that the word of God has no power. No, it has. It's your sin that is holding you back from doing the will of God. Sometimes we tell ourselves, Sometimes 
Amwezi. Now remember, the context of this is what? Brothers and sisters in the Lord. We will look at that when it comes to non-believers. This is brothers and sisters in the Lord. Don't say, Jamana julikala ni jambazi sugu. Anakuja kwa kanaiba. Unasama ni memu samea tu. Atarudi siku ingina haibe. Baibe nasama ni kusamea tu. Ahana. That's not the way. That's not the Bible. is not talking about that. Some of us sometimes, I always tell brothers here, if a man comes to your house and he has come to do bad things and he touches your, your family, you don't say to the man, my brother, kneel down, we pray you get salvation. You need to get saved. You don't negotiate about salvation in that moment, isn't it? When Dr. Panga said, Because there, I know there have been Christian debates which people say, you know, a believer should not at all defend yourself with a weapon. You should just end up magoti ombe baba. Baba kuna nguvu ataleta malaika. Na watakuja kukuokoa. Sayo hiyo. No way. No way. God has not told us that. There was a, sometimes a debate in Kenya where pastors were asking for guns because of Al-Shabaab at the cost. It was too much. And people said, oh, they are not trusting in God. Personally, I always say, if there was an opportunity to buy one, I would buy one personally. I don't think I would be sinning. I'm protecting my family and myself. If there was an opportunity to buy a guy, I would buy it and put it in my house. Kikuja vibaya, I'm protecting myself and my family. Itapita na wewe. I know people are aware of their thing about these things, but for me, my family is in, is in the hands of God, but I'm the custodian in this world. So, no way, no jokes there. No jokes. I will, I will get one. If let's say today, brothers and sisters, we were, you put it somewhere in the pulpit there. Yeah, you preach it there. Nehemiah was told, as they are building the, the walls, isn't it? One hand was holding what? A sword, isn't it? Another one? The word of God. We don't want to be naive. I don't think God is telling us to be naive. They are soldiers in the army. They are soldiers in the army. When they go to war, do they tell the guy, hey, bow down and get Jesus? No. They are soldiers in the army. They are served. They love Jesus. What do they do when they see an enemy? They cock it and they... Build the guy. On this, we can have very, you know, you know, diverse, diverse, diverse views. But I want to remind you, this is not about the prayers, not about how to deal with the crooked people. And we are going to see how to deal with that also. Those who are crooked. Secondly, why should we forgive? We should forgive because we have been forgiven. That's the only answer we have. You should forgive because. You have been forgiven. But for us to be able to forgive, one, we must understand what sin is. Sin is serious. Secondly, <clears throat> we must understand that God has freely granted us grace in Christ, although we were sinners, children of wrath, destined to hell. God, in Ephesians 2, 4, God, but God, in Christ, he has raised us up, seated us with Jesus. You will not know what forgiveness is if your sin, you take it petty and little. If you think your sin is not offensive to God, if you think you are better somehow, you won't learn what it means to be forgiven. To all of us, we know where God has blacked us from to bring us to salvation. We know what our hearts yearned for what our bodies were engaged in, and all that, God has put it on Jesus. And God counts you righteous. If you don't understand sin, you don't understand the mercies of God, forgiveness will be difficult. There's a guy who died in Uganda. He was a pastor. I think that was last year. He had a big church. And his motto was, 
wakikuroga kuja tuwarudishie hiyo uroki hiyo ndilikuwa moto yake so people went there because africans with bewitching tulirogwa na hiyo sio so people flocked to that church atmukena ukana kuombea anasema yirudishie wao wamekutumia the reason the thing is this he never himself was not a believer he died not as a believer he never understood what sin is he never understood the work of jesus to deal with the sin on the cross because he had not experienced it in his own life people and pastors will preach what god has done to them if god has not saved a man that man will never see the, the beauty of exalting jesus the savior in the scriptures never if god has not saved a man from sin that man will always think he's a good man he has something to bring to god and god can accept him you remember in john this woman who comes and pours oil on jesus's head and the person who complains is who judas the thief he says that oil could have sold a lot of money and he would have taken that money to help the what the poor but the bible says what he was a thief he, he used the money to for, for his own what things so he is seen outward to be caring about the poor but he's a thief that's what many preachers are they're like judas they are thieves outwardly they look as if they care but inwardly they are wolves they have no need of your soul they don't care about your soul completely what they care about is their own life in this world and then thirdly is the an unforgiving heart a habitual life of unforgiveness is a mark of unbelief James says in James 1:19-20 Be slow to anger for the anger of a man does not work out righteousness of God We should learn how to be slow in our anger Ephesians cautions us that our anger we should not be angry and when until when the sun goes down that we not harbor anger all the time Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4:31 let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor be put away from you with malice Galatians 5:20 he says now the works of the flesh are plain strife jealous anger and in Matthew 5:22 the Lord says everyone who is angry with his brother shall be shall be liable to judgment anger anger that is uncontrollable anger that is uncontrollable does not produce the fruit of righteousness in a person at all anger that gets angry and wants to kill wants to beat wants to abuse does not portray the righteousness of god in a man and in many cases such people have not experienced the work of the spirit in their hearts they have not they are not believers they have not come to the saving masses of Jesus Christ if anger takes over your heart it will turn it into a last turn it into a lasting grudge uh, give it an unforgiving spirit and the result will be judgment rather than sisters know this no one will go to heaven with an unforgiving heart no one will go to heaven with a heart that does not forgive if you think you have been wronged so much think how much you have wronged god if you think everyone should bow be bowing down to you how much have you been bowing down to the lord then lastly let's see how forgiveness puts the gospel makes the gospel attractive how forgiveness makes the gospel the real message that we should preach to people how forgiveness makes a marriage look beautiful and a family that will be brought to the lord one is that the gospel or oh, the gospel presents 
forgiveness as a core message to what people are presented with. In other words, the gospel is about forgiveness. The gospel is about forgiveness. God calls us sinners rebels who have broken his holy law. And what does God do in giving us his son, Jesus? He's presenting a forgiveness that is free of charge, that you don't need to pay anything for it. It doesn't say, come to Jesus and then come on this and this, plant a seed and you'll be accepted. No, the gospel says, bring your sins to Jesus. Come the way you are. Jesus is enough. He will cleanse you. He will wash you. He will make you a child of God. He will keep you. He will bring you into eternity. But also, the gospel of forgiveness calls us to imitate God by forgiving one another amongst ourselves. It reminds us of our sinfulness. It exalts Jesus' work at the atonement on the cross as the only means by which you and I, we can be accepted. Yet not only be accepted by God, but also given a new heart. As Ezekiel writes in Ezekiel 36 from verse 24, a new heart that obeys God and walks in the statutes of God. A new heart that loves God and loves his people, loves brothers and sisters. A new heart that loves the things of the Lord, hates what God hates, and loves what God loves. How do we as a church display this gospel? How do we as a church display the gospel of forgiveness? One, we take this gospel to the world that hates us. We take this gospel to people who don't love us. We take this gospel to those who are working day and night to kill us. We take this gospel to those who persecute us to those who are opposing us, to those whom our hearts hate. Yet in the gospel we show them the love of God. We tell them to come to Jesus. We pour our lives out. We give that this gospel may reach the people who hate us. We send God's people to go and take the gospel to such men. We look for opportunities that we may present the gospel of forgiveness to those who have not been forgiven by God and yet they hate us. As I was saying, a thief who comes into your house and steals your things, how do you show forgiveness? How do you show love to the, such a person? If your life is spared, you pray to them that the Lord will do it, will save them. But in that moment, prayer might not be the most effective one. With my mind, in that moment, I will be praying for myself. That if I go, I go to the Father, isn't it? But, what should we be doing as a church in that reality? We know there are people killing, getting into homes, raping, killing, taking things, making people lame. How do we do? We pray that God would, the light of the gospel, would shine in the lives of those people and that God will change them. We also pray that the government will get hold of them. And as they get their coat, they, they, may, they may be exposed to the word and they may hear this word and come to Jesus. And come to Jesus. We were told a story here one day by Vic of Jim Elliot and his friends who were speared. They had guns. They had just landed in a village. Their job was to take food always, throwing it to this village. One day they decided they cannot bring the gospel through throwing food on the village. They landed in the plane so that they may talk to people about Jesus. They get out of the plane. These guys see meat to eat. They spear them to death. They had guns. They didn't use guns. They had guns. That was another grace God gave them. 
I will say, I don't know myself there. I have a gun and you are spearing me. So when we hear these stories, don't tell yourself, I will also go and get speared, that the gospel may go. If God wants me to die of that spear, I will die. But he has not told me that spear is the one that's going to kill me. So I will have to deter. I said, no. But this man, they were killed by friends. And through that killing, many, many years back, that village, God broke the gospel, spread there. People came to know Jesus. Some of us would say, Sita enda uko, but we can pray, isn't it? We can pray for such a village that the gospel may penetrate there. If I hear a village where they are eating people, I think I was telling somebody within the week here, <laughs> would you go to a village where they are eating people to take their gospel? No, no, I don't, me myself, I won't go, but I'm willing to rally the church to send somebody there. If, if you want to be eaten, <laughs> Joseph, <laughs> for Christ, you want to be eaten for Christ. It's difficult, isn't it? There are places people have gone, they have made sacrifices to go. It's not easy. It's not easy. We are in here, we think the gospel, it's not easy. There are places in Northeastern where people don't put on clothing. How will you survive there? Your conscience, how will you survive? But somebody has a jitorea kwenda, no. <laughs> but we can pay somebody to go. But we can pray also, isn't it? That people may go and take the gospel. Now our hearts doesn't mean we will be everywhere. Everywhere. You don't have to be the greatest missionary in this world by going. You can be a greatest missionary by praying and supporting such work for those who are going. Yes, the economy is tough, but people must hear the gospel. People must go and hear the gospel. This forgiveness also is given to us. And how do we portray it in our marriages? In our marriages. Where my wife and me, sinners, have said, yes, we do. The latest one is Tony. At least he can, he can get it that quickly. Some of us have been there and you are, you know, where forgiveness is important in a marriage. You can't harbor non-forgiveness in a marriage. It's sad. It's sad. Who you in a marriage. There should be a level where we forgive each other. We are not all perfect. We are not perfect. Men, we have these bad behaviors. Also, ladies, talk. Sinyo? Awa watu, sijua ni umbu haja awa. Ladies, talk. But you see, it's because we get bitter in a marriage also, towards one another, and you start thinking, there's somebody better for me outside there than this guy I'm having here, or this lady I'm having here. If I was just wise enough, oh Lord, to be slow, take my time to pick the right person. I would not be in this particular position today. I'm telling you, even if you would have waited, that would have been still the person God have brought to you. People start repenting to the Lord. Why, do, why was I? And you have to teach yourself how to look at your partner in the light of the gospel. They will wrong you, but the Lord calls you to be faithful. In a family where there is a father, a mother, a son and a daughter, forgiveness is key to all of us. Parents, we exasperate our children, fathers, by not practicing forgiveness. Leo amefanya hii ni ngumi. 
kesha amefanya hii fimbo every day ni fimbo in and out mpaka mtoto anakuwa immune kwa nini kwa fimbo anakwambia watu haya alageuza chapa basi unachapa unafikiria umechapa hata unakasirika juu sasa atingiki hata unajua wazazi sasa wanapiga kiboko unataka mtoto alie nali unakasirika zaidi sema hii ni jambazi sasa kama ili eh unataka kupiga kabisa we don't No, sometimes we don't have to do that with our children. They do things and you speak to them. And you forgive them, you tell them to die forgiven you. When children are wrong, what do they always expect? Nikulimwa, sio? That's how we have been growing up ourselves. Ulikuwa unaona baba anatokea kwa mlango, dirisha kama ni zile za nyumbani hazina nini kubwa, unapita hapo. Unajua siko tawawa. And we want to bring up our children the same. Baba yangu hakuwa anajua msamani nini. Alikuwa anakutandika kiboke katike. Sasa akushike tu kama mnatoshana. So usipopata mwanya ya kutoroka hiyo siku hata mkono itavunjika. So some of my brothers had to start practicing self defense na kutupa ngumi mapema. Wanasema tutauliwa hapa tukiangalia na umuze. We must practice. We must have some sense of uh, you know patience and endurance with our children. The same with our parents. You as a son as a daughter, your parents have wronged you. Parents wrong. When my children will go up they will say baba yetu hapa hakuwa na akili mzuri hapa. Probably. Parents wrong in their decisions in their quest that we behave in a certain way. They wrong. But we must practice that and we know they're just human beings. They can also wrong as we wrong them. So be always ready to forgive as children this is our way to show our parents we belong to Jesus we have accepted the gospel the gospel is at work in us the same to parents you want your children to come to faith in Jesus know what it means to forgive them and not always quake a fimbo know how to talk to them know that they are also human beings Only teaching them the Bible is not the only means by which God will bring them to Christ but even you modeling to them how God has worked in your life and I pray that all of us we will seek and follow these things to so that we don't harbor an unforgiveness our hearts and souls will crush if you live just two days in your house where you know there is a problem between you and your wife and it has not been settled for me one day is too long it's too long for one day atimkae tu mumekasirishana kuna mtu anataka kusameana i think probably because i find my house a good place to be to spend more time in my house with my children so when that happens hakuna amani pale mpaka tusuluhishe it's unfortunate some people just say shauri yake Jipange we ni mtu mzima. Unarudi tu nyumbani, mtu wako bado amenuna. Tunatushauri yako. Leta chakula mimi nikule wewe ndio kasirika. That's not godly. That's not godly. Every husband, wherever there's a problem in the house, seek to talk to sort things with your wife. Usipuuze tu the same with the wife. And don't expect things to be sorted there and there. Sometimes some people need time to internalize things. Your shouting will not bring anything. Ukasirike upande will not solve things. Calm down. Pray to the Lord. Seek that he works in your heart and he works in the heart of your partner. Seek to solve things and forgive one another. Don't say start saying umezoea sana wewe. Marriage is killed by that. Umezoea sana kunifanya hivi. Umezoea sana kufanya hivi. May we be granted hearts of forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord Probably all of us here, Father
all of us, including myself, we are guilty of the sin of non-forgiving. We are guilty of wanting forgiveness on our own terms and not in the terms of the Bible. We are guilty of this evil. Where, Lord, we have harbored anger and bitterness against your people, against the redeemed of the Lord. We have made the work of the Lord go slow, or even, Lord, we have destroyed it because of our unbelief and hard-hearted. Our marriages have been filled of quarrels because we don't know what it means to forgive. We talk about your forgiveness, but we don't live it out in our own day-to-day lives. We have been wronged by brothers. Many of us have decided to slander, to cut fellowship completely. We have sought our own way. Lord, we have not only sinned, but we have completely misunderstood your salvation to us. We have completely, Lord, gone our own way. Lord, we we ask you to forgive us. Our marriages have not displayed the attractiveness of the gospel. Our being together as a church, Lord, we have looked to one another, not in the eyes of Christ, but in our own eyes, oh Lord. We, wanted, we have wanted followers. We have not made followers of Jesus. We have wanted people like to be like us, to talk like us, to do things like us. And if they don't, Lord, we have cut them off. We have not taught our children in our actions, in our talking, in our behaviors, what it means to forgive. We have not at any particular time even found time to tell our children to confess even to them where we have been wrong in accusing them or doing bad things to them. Lord, we have just walked away with a life of ignorance, with a life of not minding God and not minding the gospel. Lord, we have loved good words. We, we, we have embraced theology instead of embracing God. Instead of embracing God himself, Lord, we have embraced good teaching. But Lord, we have locked you out of our lives. We want to come across to be known. We know this, we know that. But we are not keen to be known. We have a relationship with God. He's in us. We are for him. He's for us, Lord. At our workplaces, Lord, in the manner we have carried ourselves, in outbursts of anger, in arrogance and pride, even to the non-believers, who might not be necessarily, Lord, persecuting us or taking our life of this world. But even when there have been opportunities to showcase the forgiveness of Jesus, Lord, our, we have been so big-headed, Lord. We have, we have not cared at all in our places of work. Again, it has always been my way. Me and me and me. In our families, forgive us for the way we have treated our wives as men. When we have had this long list of what they have been doing to us for ages, for years, we have not shown love, Lord, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love covers a multitude of sin. What have we done? We have been so quick even to destroy their images to others. We have been so quick to 
do our way, to find our way. We have not shown love. Wives have not shown submissiveness. They have not forgiven when their husbands have made terrible decisions. They have been self-finding. They want things to be done their way. Lord, forgiveness, as your word teaches us, routes in us humility, which we have battled with. We have not found that in our lives. And we ask, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for we have decided to hold on things which are not real things. We have given up heaven, Lord, for the things of this world. For us, we have made images to be worshipped by others in us, Lord. Lord, we pray for those here who are masters at their places of work. The Lord, they would cultivate the spirit of forgiveness when they wrong their own workers. We pray, Lord, that you, you, you will humble them. That when they sit down and find it in their hearts, the way they have spoken to the worker, the way they have behaved, in a manner, in a behavior they have done, that they can go back and call this person and say, Please, this was not right the way I did it, the way I said it. Please forgive me. Lord, we pray that, as Paul reminds us in Titus 2, that we do all these things, not for the sake of just us, but for the sake of the name of Jesus, making the gospel attractive, displaying its power in us. And as a church, Lord, we do pray Give us such big hearts, Lord, to forgive one another. When we wrong each other, to forgive one another. When we speak wrong, Lord, that we can be bold enough to come and call the brother or the sister and speak to them instead of slandering them. Oh, Lord, that we may pursue our unity together. This gospel will continue to work in us so powerfully. Do this even to those who are seated among us and they are not believers, Lord. That today they may know Jesus forgives. That Father, you forgive. And until they come to the saving faith, the saving knowledge of Christ, there will be no forgiveness. No one can be forgiven on relying on their own works and experience. Oh, Lord, that in Christ we find the, the fullness of all forgiveness. So, Lord, bring them to yourself. Bring them, Lord, and to those who are believers. May we examine our hearts. Where we have failed, may we do right. In Christ's name we do ask. Amen.